We at Time to Rebuild would like to acknowledge that this podcast is produced on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. At the YMCA Rebuild, we're in the business of reducing recidivism in Victoria, and in no way do we condone criminal activity discussed in these episodes. We support victims of crime and are committed to creating a safer community. Welcome back to part two of our chat with the extremely talented Ahmad Hassan and his colleague Hanad Hersey. Uh, in this part of the conversation, we discuss in detail how they're making impact in the prison system. Um, and I honestly can't get over how good this conversation was uh, and what they're doing at Youth Activating Youth. So please sit back, enjoy, uh, and reach out to us what you think about the conversation as well. I wanted to um, move it a bit forward and and get into a little bit of this. Um, just talking more about the work that you're doing um, at Youth Activating You and and also the the, the justice side of things because obviously we, we love justice. At, we yeah. want we we care about um, the most vulnerable young people in our state, right? And this was a passion that was that was done with um, you know and and the back of you know. For a long period, we've seen it since we established this. This organisation was established for for young people who are falling through the cracks, right? It was never it was never said as youth justice, but it was basically established for those young people who are vulnerable, who are at risk, and you know more likely than not that that end up because of their friends or the environment that they've grown up in, in into, you know, maybe either offending or just touching base with the contact uh, the the criminal justice system. So, you know, from that, you look back. You know, it's 2014, 15, 16, then you had the member rights, then it became a whole issue. And you have, you know, all these people coming together, and which you'd know very well at the MCG with under the Chief Commissioner's um, Youth Summit. You know, and, and, and we're working with Victoria Police quite closely at the time. And then you look at it and you say, you know, there's all these people, um, what do we do? You know, we, we know what we're talking about. We know these young people. Some organisations know about it and there's a whole completely other... A number of other organisations who are trying to obviously assist you with capacity and to, you know, obviously they're mean well, but they'd like to help you within the space. But the, but their understanding of the issue is pretty... It's very minimal. And, you know, we... You know, the media was chasing us around that day. I remember that very well in 2017 around the MCG. <laughs> um, but what we do remember was, um, you know, how committed Graham Ashton was. Uh, you you might not know, but Graham Ashton is still an external advisor to our organisation, yep. so he supports us uh, in an advisory capacity. But just his support and his understanding and, and, and the way... He's able to connect the dots. He's better than most people. Um, and we're f- very fortunate to have him still contributing to EA. And, um, but obviously we only got to know him through the Chief Commissioner's Youth Summit. And um, prior to that, we we were just, you know, working with them in good faith to, to obviously um, get things done. And one of the issues that was, you know, raised time and time again was the issue of unemployment amongst young people. Um, on how we were going to work that out. And the Chief Commissioner took it uh, upon himself and um, kind of called in all um, major, small um, business advocates. He got everyone together, businesses, you know, um, industry associations, and got about a, 
about two, three hundred people at the MCG um, to provide jobs. Um, one of those was um, Mark Stone, who was the Chamber of Commerce CEO. I, I remember him very well standing yeah, up and saying, yeah. look, I want to offer 10 uh, paid internship positions, and we'll do that on the, the Victorian Chamber of uh, Commerce. Uh, you can choose any business. And uh, we didn't know Mark. Um, and he was right at the front, and we go, hello, my name's Ahmed. Ali introduced himself, and um, we both... We're like, all right, we'd like to come see you at some point. Um, we went and saw him in his office, nice office in Collins Street. Uh, got a deal that would get five of the positions um, to support young people into positions um, of uh, of interning. And then the, if the business, already the business is going to keep them for six to eight weeks. So the business is already getting, you know, they're not paying for this. The chamber's paying for this. So they're getting basically a free employee who's qualified and all that all they're asked to do is think about a potential ongoing opportunity for them. That's all they're asked for, and they've got two months to come up with that. The business is already thinking. Look, we're already going to invest. We're not paying for it for two months. It's already going to get free training. Let's let's just you know do this and bring them on board. And which are a lot of credit to KPMG, uh, Spotless Group, and and various other uh, businesses done it. Um, and then. You know, the thinking about youth justice, you know, the same thing we did with AIG. So it was about employment. So the most vulnerable young people, so they want to buy things. Young people want to, want, to, want to participate in society as much as anyone else, right? You've got to be able to – it may not be a balanced playing field, but what they need is a job, right? Because a job can help you do many things in life, travel, purchase whatever you want, da 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 get a house on your own, whatever. But these young people weren't getting uh, access, enough access. And I remember um, presenting to the Premier's Jobs and Investment Panel, which was very high-rated kind of business executive leaders and, 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 and the executive branch of government. And you had everyone sitting on that. And it was basically its job was to create more jobs. Uh, it's you know, its, its mandate was to create more jobs in the state of Victoria. You know, tap into potential opportunities or areas of growth, and you know, making sure that Victoria is well tapped in, which I think they've done pretty well. But even at that point, where we were creating a record amount of jobs, a lot of the most vulnerable were struggling. So you, we had to think internally: how do we find employers who will overlook a young pe- a young person's criminal history? Right and provide a job. That's not easy. You, you had to take that risk, but you can't go out there on your own and advocate to a business why they should overlook a young person's criminal history because it's a risky position. But also we were offering a deal, which was you take that person and we'll come and supervise them and, and you know help mentor them at least two to three times a week. So therefore it's not a huge burden you know, turning up, making sure. So we'll, we'll, we'll put a plan in place. Um, and this is where we, where we, where we, we found a, a, a partner with the Australian Industry Group. We, they deal with manufacturing um, and various other areas where they've got a lot of whole lot of industries that they represent. So how do we tap into those and making sure? So Tim Piper is the head of the Victorian, uh, sorry, the uh, he's the Victorian head of the Australian Industry Group uh, was coming with us um, 
you know, putting on his uh, shirt and driving to, you know, either the, the western suburbs or the southeast and we were talking to businesses. We were like, you know, we need this, this. And slowly we started to break that cycle, whether it be mechanic shops, whether it be, you know, manufacturing. So he started to break that cycle, right? And it's uh, through a little bit of innovative thinking, but really getting those uh, influential industry figureheads to actually make that happen. So what we'd do is we'd go back a bit and we'd say, go to the prison. We're like, you want a job, right? So you're not going to study. So a young person makes that very clear to you. So you need to find something that they're going to get into and, you know, if they're going to be released, it makes it much easier to say they've got a plan to get into something, that are, you know, to the courts and, you know, therefore their chances of being released grows. Um, but what we do is we encourage them when they're at their lowest point in sight. You know, young people can often become more smarter in in not a positive way but also in the wrong ways and pick up the wrong skills um, in, in, in prison, right? So we'd build a plan. We'd, at their lowest point, we'd motivate them. And so, look, we're not gonna, we're not gonna wait till you're released mentally. We're gonna mentor you now. We're gonna start now. Let's start the process now. We've messed up. We've acknowledged that. Let's go to the next piece. Is there something that you'd like to address with me? Yes, no, you confidentially address it. Then you go on to, what do you want to do? And then you start devising that and you spend more time. But you don't only devise it with him. You devise it with his family. Mm, his close associates. His relatives. When you partner with all those people, you're more likely to get an outcome. But when you partner with him, but the most important partnership is with the young person. Because if they start believing in what you're talking about, then they're more likely to continue engage and follow that blueprint and start doing things a little differently. And that's where it's very important because it only takes one or two or three young people to start changing till, you know, the 10 or 15 of them that hang around together start looking like we're actually, yeah, he's, he's doing okay for himself. We must, um, you know, get on board and then they slowly start coming to your office man i'm sick of this lifestyle i'm sick of the police you know every time i'm there they're just checking me randomly knocking on my house when there's an incident you know five kilometer radius of my house if there's a robbing i'll just get knocked on so young people were having this you know issues with police and and just this continued um harassment you know just ongoing so how do you break that you know then you, you, you create a dialogue with police, right? Police are not the easiest organisation to deal with. They're by far, they, they need so many things to, to work on. But time to time, good people come through there and people who, who really want to understand um, how to do things because the th- issue is they provoke a lot of young people. The way they speak, the way they, the way they come across is very intimidating at times, you know what I mean? It's, it's just like in your face and they push you to to say or do something that's pretty extreme. And for a young person who's doesn't have a very good experience, that just could take a matter of minutes in, in the beginning of an interaction. Escal- so, escalate quickly. Yeah, yeah so, um, but yeah, that's 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 how, you know, our, our justice space was nothing that we um, think. It was just innovative. It was just something that, you know, 
policy was being followed by every other organisation. How do we be different and be a, a, an advocate for the most vulnerable, mm. the most young people who are not going to participate in those surveys where government policy, when government policy has been designed, they're not going to be involved in that consultation process. You know that. So it's just going to be a, a, a standard um, policy that's set up by a number of experts from a number of universities and large advocates and organisations who are going to contribute to that. But the people that it very much relates to are not involved in that policy piece. That's critical, right? Because if they're not involved in that policy piece, then who's that policy going out to serve? Yeah, that's it. So it's just a blank. It's just a blank policy which is just there to address anything and everything, but really it's not tailored, sensitive, and it doesn't have an approach. But we also got to that policy angle through the Ministerial um, Crime Prevention Task Force, which you know I, I really liked when... Minister Carroll came into uh, Minister Ben Carroll came into youth justice and, and crime prevention. He really he had a he had a he he wanted to transform it. He wanted to make the justice space. You know, he wanted to address the causes of of, of crime. Why are these young people? So he brought together a number a diverse number of people. I was the youngest sitting on that that table, and you had. You know, the Jesuit Social Services, you had the Victorian Council of Social Services, you had Woolworth sitting on that, you had Lendley sitting on that, you had football Victoria, basketball, um, AFL. You had all those people who who are are very much friends of the crime prevention space because they can easily prevent that, you know, through their large businesses. Um, and, you know, looking at, how that came across and, and, you know, designing the strategy for government out of that task force for the next four years was pretty exciting. Um, and I remember that very well. But you're looking at, you know, what causes young people to go into crime? You know, sporting clubs, what can we do to make that more accessible? What can we do this? You know, funding and creating opportunities within business and within sporting organisations and the broader social piece, and and understanding really the place-based mm. um, kind of solutions that that are on offer. So there's just so much I could speak about this all day, but <laughs> it's just certain areas where we thought we played an important part, but also we thought we really took those ideas from young people mm. and connected them to policy and made government understand that now is the time. Not into the mm. near future and, 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 you know, thinking about it later, we can have this. No, no, no. Or we can all do glossy things and announcements, but we, the substance of it needs to be – it needs to be, you know, done through a lens where it will help resolve this issue mm. now and into the long term. So that's what we're so, you know, passionate about. Yeah. What you said there when you were talking about get yeah, to the young people at their lowest point, you know, obviously in prison, I think that's so crucial because I always say to the young guys, when we're running our courses in there, like you don't start training for a marathon you know, on the day of the marathon. Yes. You know, and that's just like if you're going to look at a young person getting out of prison, you don't start working on housing then because you've got 
12 hours before the sun goes down. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and and it's the same with, you know, trying to find a job and everything like that. You're, you're on the back foot when you start, when you're released. I, I love it that uh, that's when you start, you know. You go to you go to where the cannon fires most loudest, and that's yeah. straight into the straight into the thick of things, and then and then you work from there. Yeah, and and it's like you've got to have your um, employers ready. You've got to have your, mm. you know, you've got to have your case managers and, and youth workers ready. Also, they've got to be as devoted um, to this job. Mm. Like at the end of the day, um, what we we like to see is youth workers who go above and beyond. Mm. Mm. Because when you go above and beyond for a young person. They're more likely to go yeah, above and beyond for you. Yeah, they'll, they'll give that same energy back. Yeah, they'll give you that same energy, that same love back, and it's something that we see with with a lot of the young young boys and girls we work with. You know, especially in the youth justice space, mm-hmm. it can be a very confronting space for a lot of people. You know, um, you, you're dealing with some of the most, as Ahmed mentioned, some of the most vulnerable, some of the most at risk young people. You know, who've who've gone through very sometimes horrendous stuff, you know. Mm. If you look at, you know, young people in out-of-home care, young people, you know, just it's listening to them and hearing their stories and what they've gone through, right? So you you got to approach this, the situation with a, with a level of care, right? But also I think the active listening piece comes in massive. So we, we do a lot of work with um, young people in Malmesbury, mm-hmm. Parkville, and... I'm, I'm a firm believer. I don't like the clinical setting. Mm. Yeah, I can't do that. And I, and I tell, sometimes I get told off, hey, listen, you can't do that. Man, nah, take them to the yard. You know, like I can, you, I can sit in the office, in the chair, and, you know, nah, but that's not me, right? Mm. Yeah, I, you, like, yeah, you like shooting some hoops. Nah, I, yeah. I, 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 every, time, every time I go in there, table <laughs> yeah. tennis. My play is badminton. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Oh, you play badminton? Badminton, basketball. And, yeah. Every time we talk, we have a joke about it. Every time yeah. someone we interviewed him, a new sport comes out that Max played in the prison. I'm like, I don't even know you can play in yeah. sports, mate, but no. he does. Yeah. So we get it. But you, but you see, like when you when you do go in there, right? Yeah. It's, you're you're meeting one particular young person, mm. but you got all these other young yeah. boys and girls gravitating towards you. Yeah. Hey, who who are Crazy. you? What do yeah. you What do you do? Well, what are you here for? And then. They realize very, very quickly with us, right, is we're not your everyday professional youth justice case managers, right? Mm. Is we know how to kind of like play play between lines where we're professional, but we understand you, yeah. you know? So I, it's understanding the language, yeah? And it comes back to positionality, Pl- you know? Do you play fight with them? Do you, do you kind of no, no, get, no, no, get, no. get stuck <laughs> with them? No, no, no. Like I definitely don't play fight with them, you know? But, what, but one, thing, one thing I do realize is, and I was telling Ahmed about this when I, when I started at Yay 2021, January, right? And I'd go into Parkville, Marshville. I'm, I'm doing these sessions and having a chat with these boys and just kicking back with them. By the time I hop in that car on the way back to the office, my emails, I got like four or five new emails of like case managers or youth justice officers. Hey, my young person just called me about your program. Um, do you have any capacity? I'm like, what young person is this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then she yeah. tells me, Dash, is, I just had a conversation with that young fella. Yeah. You know? And it's the smallest conversations go a long way. You know, it's these young people, it's, I, I come from a place of, listen, it's what happened, happened. Hmm. Yeah. But let's focus on now. Yeah. What does that journey back home look like? Yeah. yeah. And it's, we have a, a new youth justice program that we're launching at the moment. It's called The Come Up, short for TCU. Right. So that, what is your come up? What does your come up look like? Yeah. What does your story look like? Yeah. And who needs to be involved? 
yeah, and what steps need to happen for you to get there, right? Whether it's employment, whether it's reconnecting, reconnecting with your family, with your faith, with your faith, whether it's you know actually analyzing your group of friends, yeah, those conversations need to be had in, need to be have had inside those mm. settings, you know. Mm. And I'm, I'm I I keep it one hundred and ten percent honest with with the young brothers and young sisters. I'm like, hey, it's the mistakes of today are lessons for tomorrow, right? What are we learning right now? Yeah, we've been here, we're locked up, it's not a pretty environment, yeah? Mom and dad aren't here, family misses you, you're a leader at home, yeah? So what are we learning from here today? So as soon as those doors open, and best believe when those doors open, we're the first ones there. Mm. When those roller doors open, I'm there, ready. Uh, listen, you're home now, yeah? So now the journey begins, yeah? Your come up begins right now. Mm. We've spoken about the plans in place, yeah? We've spoken about what we're gonna do step by step. Now let's, del- now let's deliver it. So it's just a journey. So myself and some of the other amazing workers we have at Yay, it's just working alongside of these young people because it's that reintegration piece is tough. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A lot of people don't understand coming out of a custodial setting back into community. It is absolutely tough because a you're dealing with the pressures of society. Yeah, you're automatically marginalized. Mm. Yeah, ostracized because you're you're the bad egg. Yeah, you're that bad person, so we're not gonna let you inside the, you know, the inner community. So you already feel at a disadvantage, but then people look at you different, opportunities aren't available to you, yeah? It's mm. hard getting back into school, getting back into work. There might be some issues at home, mom and dad, you know? Some of the young people have issues at home, mom and dad feel that sense of shame, you brought shame to the family, etc. So it's understanding the various like intersectionalities and things involved with that young person, right? And just telling them, hey, you know what? It's going to be a journey. It's going to be tough. We're going to go through it. But guess what? We're going to do it together. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really important. Yeah. Yeah. Do, would you, just as much of education you give to the young people that yeah. are coming out, do you do the same with the community, with young people coming back in? It, it, it goes hand in hand. Mm. It's the same energy and dedication and time we put into the young person. We're talking to the parents. Yeah. We're talking to their guardians, you know. It's what role do you play? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Because these are young kids. Yeah. These young kids are they're they're dependent on someone else, you know. So it's talking to the elders, talking to their parents. Hey, what is the situation like at the moment at home? Oh, you know, I remember good yeah. old days. Like mm. you look at them, you know, talk, you know, taking the piece of making parents understand. Like you have someone who, young person who's got caught, mm. uh, oh, yeah, and and they're not aware. The parent or family's not aware, so you. you You'd obviously try to alert, you know, the family, like, you know, there's court tomorrow and, and still, like, you know, some people wouldn't, mm. some families don't even know. And no. the young person himself is, like, you know, pretty chilled about it. It's yeah. like, yeah, it is what it is. You know, if it comes around, it comes around, you know, but I'm still, you know, uh, I've got things to do tonight, you know. Mm. So, you know, I, I'd go and pick up, you know, families, a mother and her child and the child that's got caught and come all the way from, say, the western suburbs or mm. southeast to all the way to, you know, to the children's court and, you know, facilitate a lawyer, you know, put that all that things through. And then, you know, it's very difficult when you come from a single-parent household. You're almost, you know, the mother's almost everything in that household. Mm. And, you know, talking about my humble good old days, that's what, I, what we used to do. We used to focus on the basics, you know, try to get young people through the system, mm. um, through, the, you know, especially the courts and all that because that needs, you know, you know, they're at a disadvantage obviously but because they don't understand and 
certainly we didn't understand it as well as we do today but we tried as much as we could through what we knew and what you know the 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 um what we expected to know that in terms of like we provide a reference you know we provide mm. a, a court support letter we 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 support them you know i i remember supporting families who young people who have only met once or twice and they were sitting there with their families and they're like hey yo you know you've got your laptop and you could you quickly write me a letter uh i need a support letter and i'm like yeah if i write this letter but you're going to be I have to be a regular attendee or so i'm going to notify them that you're not a part of this mm. you know program um you you've got to join up and they go yeah i'll do whatever it takes you know right now ne- now and never you know so just thinking about when Hannah's talking like the families and stuff we remember the good old humble days where we used to actually be there provide that support you know and and, and you know it's not only that support then but it's the support you provide afterwards yeah, that's absolutely. critical because yeah. you've got to you've got to have a follow through because young people are very smart if you don't touch base with them some of them mm. don't need to touch base with you mm. you're only there when you they get in trouble so you, mm. you've got to change the relationship you've almost got to build up a friendship so you get a exactly. got to keep a friendship on, on on snapchat instagram facebook uh you know and making sure that you are very supportive of what they you know if they, if they want to do ah if, they, if they're good at cutting hair mm. you know one thing i've learned is you know there and then take them to 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 someone that you know give them the opportunity because when they say that they are looking for a chance you know and they're pretty skilled with mm. it through the arts t-shirts design creativity they've just got so much uh they could give back mm. but it's it's the opportunity and and I like the work that street do yeah um, yeah, seen, Rebecca, yeah Rebecca Scott yeah yeah seen yeah. seen it firsthand we actually had one of our crime prevention the ministerial task force meeting there mm. um, one of the things was to go see what what it looks like and um it's pretty amazing you know how they take vulnerable young people and and, and provide mm. them with opportunities um, yeah, yeah and that's just just i know they call it social procure, uh, social enterprise but it's just so good like imagine you can help a young person establish a social enterprise as a barbershop that's that's all these things like it's powerful yeah. people believe mm. into it people buy into it you know as a first timer and and seeing the work that street was doing just it took me back yeah mm. well you got to be given like young people need to know they need to be able to believe like there's, there's a couple of words i would say like trust yep they need to trust that you're going to do for them what you say you're going to do come through yeah yeah and and they got to trust you that you're not going to be you're going to be different to everything else they heard before you mm-hmm. cuz let's face it they hear a lot before them yep. and it doesn't always come true they got to believe that there's an opportunity for them. They've got to believe, and then they've got to believe that they can fit into that opportunity, that they're good enough to fit into that opportunity. They see themselves. That they can see themselves in that opportunity mm. and they can actually feel it. And that's, that's a really important thing because as you all both know, like we all know here, like self-esteem, self-confidence, you know, is always pretty low, but their ability is there. Mm-hmm. They just can't see it sometimes of how good they are. You spoke about them, they've got skills. They've all got great skills, mm. using it for good or bad. Sometimes bad, but the skill sets are there to do for good. But then it's just the opportunity that they, they don't see themselves mm-hmm. sometimes in a job that they could do because they're used to being 
told that they can't do much mm. or, or they're not good enough to do that. And then you're suddenly trying to pump their tires up and say, no, you can. And sometimes you have to just give them the opportunity and, and do it slowly and then show them within it. And then the rest, they just take off. Yeah. But it's just that little bit as well. Um, I'm really interested in, you talk about the family and you talk about that. We've talked a lot about that as well. But correct me if I'm wrong, I imagine it's really difficult when you're working with the young people as well because the community that you walk in, and it's not, I'm not just saying it's because of, you know, African community or whatever like that, but I'd be interested to get your take on this, yeah? So with the families, you would have large families. Yep. You would have, you know, family members that are probably already could be incarcerated mm-hmm. or not. You you would also have maybe parents who, as you've both kind of mentioned as well, don't understand the justice system, don't understand the community kind of support systems as well. Might be language barriers as well. Like, how kind of challenging is all them layers on top of what you're already doing for a young person I know you said, you've talked a little bit how you break through them a little bit mm. but is that fair to say that you're facing a lot a lot of them barriers all the time and there's so much distraction away from actually the young person who you're trying to work with mm. and so many things are against them already before you even get to them definitely definitely I think that that piece around not understanding the system it's it's bloody hard to navigate yeah it's really, really hard to navigate. Mate, well, anyone. Se- seven years old, he's, uh, he's yeah. on, mate. I'm still learning. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's and it's for for some, we're, we're talking about some new and emerging communities, very diverse community groups, right? Uh, where English isn't their first language. And if you've got a loved one, a son or a daughter who's somehow, somewhere, has been caught up in this system, yeah, and you don't know where to start. Where do you start? Who do you talk to? You can't. We've got a large number of people in the community who would not call the police. Mm. Even if they're in danger, would not pick up the phone and call the police because there's no trust there. You know, They would call their friends or their neighbours or their cousins or someone else before they call triple zero. Yeah, that's real, right? But I think it's for, for young people who, especially young African men who are navigating the system, navigating the space, right? It's, okay, you look at, before they even get there, what's happening outside? You know, a lot, a lot of the young people we work with, there's a lot of trauma behind the scenes of you know how they got there, and he comes back to looking at the root causes of crime, you know, looking at poverty, looking at mental health, looking at family dysfunction, looking at things like lack of education or um, employment, etc. You know, so if that young person hasn't got the basic necessities to survive and to to live a life of fulfillment. Yeah, they're gonna find that stuff from somewhere else. Mm. Yeah, and you touched on an amazing point—that whole sense of belonging. Yeah, if I don't feel like I belong here, yeah, if I don't feel like I have a say or I'm significant in community and my voice isn't being heard, I'm gonna find platforms and other avenues where people will listen to me. Yeah, so when I don't, I don't like to call it gangs. Yeah, I call it groups, friends. Yeah, I feel I belong here. I'm empowered here. These people like me. They listen to me. They value what I say, right? But then that now turns into, okay, I'm going to start doing some petty crime. I always put it into a bit of a cycle. So I think it's when a young person is marginalized from community, right, where they're not involved in education, employment, things aren't working well at home with the family, right? And as community, we are very disorganized, because we still don't know till today, till the present time, how to work with some of these most, some of the most vulnerable people in our state. We haven't cracked it yet. We still don't know, which leads these young people to find other avenues, as I mentioned, mm. where they feel comfortable, 
where they feel like they belong. But now they start getting involved in antisocial behaviors, risk-taking, etc. They're young kids. Mm. It's quite normal. But then it's the level of risk-taking and the level of crime that we're seeing today which is concerning. Mm. Do you want to talk yeah. about the innovative piece? I think it's, it's, it's he really mm. um, naturally delves mm. into the work that we've done. And, well, Hannah came into the organisation. I'll give you a bit of a background. He can share the story. Um, came into the organisation when we started, uh, when he joined us. and was was second, was yeah, second day. Yeah, second, first, second day. Just kept mm. beating on about something, you know. And he's got a direct line manager, right? So he kept coming into my office and, you know, just telling his manager, telling us all around the organisation, everyone's trying to get uh, uh, everyone on board. He's like, you know, knife crime, knife crime, knife crime. Huh? What's wrong with this guy? Relax. It's, it's your first <laughs> week, you know? <laughs> the hell? Yeah, he's just like, no, no, knife crime, we've got to do something. I'm, we've got to... And, you know, just like, all right, first week, second week, like, is he going to stop? Nah, third week it was the. Then all of a sudden we're like, you know, maybe there's something. Like we knew about the issue, but not to what he was seeing on the ground. So we told him maybe put something together, um, and let us coordinate some strategic, uh, you know, people that we could work with mm. or, or or speak to. Um, but it's just, you know, the work that he did and how convinced he was that this was something that we had to work on or solve or bring um, some kind of attention to it where we actually are addressing the issues. We got that program into the state government's minds before it was a problem to them. You know, I remember you know, a number of senior people in government asking me, is this really a problem? You know, statistics don't say this or they show this. And we said the statistics don't show how many people have been injured but don't report it to police? Mm. Because if Hannah and I got into a, a, a bit of a scuffle and a knife crime and, you know, it was too dangerous, but still it is a knife mm. issue, then it will be resolved between the two families and not get to police. Mm. And that's how it is between a lot so of So that, that, wouldn't, that wouldn't contribute to the numbers, though? Yeah, that yeah, yeah. So that is, uh, this is happening... Regularly, this is so you were seeing so this the, regularly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he got that done. So he got that program to us, but he can speak to it about yeah. why. I, was I think hell bent on it. Yeah, <laughs> because it was it was one of the things we really wanted to get to was this because this is fascinating because I think when we met before, mm. I kind of said to you and I, and 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 you, Emmett, as well that way, way, way back early in my days mm. in Bridge, they were putting toward putting together this kind of campaign. Yeah. Years ago, and, and I think I said you don't mightn't have seen it. It won't even on bus stops and all that around KnifeCon. But there mm. was nothing came from it. Like it was, it was acknowledged, but it wasn't to do with specific communities. Mm-hmm. It was across the board. Yeah, yeah, about knives. And then it was raised, little bit of a you know bus stops campaign here and there, and then it went. Yeah. So I'm really interested in this. Mm. So talk us through this because it's, I think this is really going to be really interesting to our listeners and such a really important topic. Yeah. I think firstly, like I really want to start with when we talk about the issue of knife crime, yeah, knife crime doesn't have a race. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mm. have a religion. It doesn't have a background or a location. Yeah. Knife crime is an issue. Yeah. And it's an issue that isn't new. 
knife crime has been around for a very, very long time. Long time, yeah. It isn't this new phenomenon that we're dealing with today, right? If you look at settlement, you know, we had the Italians and um, the Greeks came into Australia, and after that was the Vietnamese community, and there were some is- situations there. Then we had the Middle Eastern, Lebanese, and Arabic communities, and some issues there. And then now we've got the African communities, etc. Right? Knife crime has always been around. Mm. If you look at the uh, articles in the 1980s and the 2000s, you know, there's some pretty horrific stuff that's happened in Melbourne, you know, that it's, but I think the, what we're seeing now, so coming back to it, it's why, why was there a need to do this? I think it's, I think we're, we're now seeing a generation, especially in some of the more impoverished neighborhoods in Melbourne, right? We're now seeing a generation of young people who all know someone who's been impacted by youth violence. That's crazy. Like, there's a whole generation right now of young people who know someone who's been impacted by youth violence, either threatened, stabbed, assaulted, bashed, jumped, etc. Right? And the whole idea of this whole knife crime campaign came about some of the young people I was working with, you know, in, in community. Their stories was just, hey, this happened on the weekend. Hey, this person got stabbed. Like we've lost a lot of young people to youth violence. Way too much. Because of the knife. Whether it be knife crime, whether it be due due to suicides, whether it be due to mental health, like we've it's all connected, right? But we've lost far too many young people, and it got to a point where I've lost myself, you know, as, as an individual. Like I've lost five kids. Like five young kids, like I've lost in the span of three years, right? Due to youth violence. And it came to a point where, hey, listen, I'm not waiting for someone else to put together some program or some you know, knee-jerk reaction or some you know, initiative that is nine times out of ten going to be problematic, yeah? It's our community, it's our kids, it's our young people. We should be doing something, right? So when I, when I came to Yay, I already came with my own agenda. I was like, hey, you guys, they gave me a PD. I was like, yeah, yeah. Didn't right. mention in the interview that we were there for. Yeah. <laughs> I was giving a day to set and I'll be knocking on that door. There you go, yeah. <laughs> they, they gave me a PD. I was like, yeah, this looks cool. So let's do this now. You know? <laughs> but um, now, so we, I think with the, with the help of the organization, Ali, Ahmed, everyone, the whole entire team, we put together a, a program where it was very much needed. And the powerful piece was, we used the voices of young people, both victims, perpetrators, their families, businesses, community leaders, etc., to kind of support us with this, right? Knife crime is a community issue, yeah? But I think the issue we're seeing now at the moment is around young people who are confused, young people who are misguided, who are lost, yeah? And who don't have a sense of direction. And you mix that in with the music, the drill, mind you, Let's get it straight. I listen to grime. Mm. I listen to drill. I, I I bang out to it, you know. Yeah. But it's not my reality. Mm. I don't yeah. li- I don't listen to those lyrics and conceptualize it and actually follow it through. Where sometimes young people who listen to those kind of music, right, will listen to those lyrics and can very much relate to it. Mm. This artist is talking about things that I'm going through right now, whether it be crime, police brutality, broken homes. Yeah, dysfunctional families, mental health, racism, etc. I can I could resonate with this with this guy. He's speaking about my story, my struggle. But then it's when they start taking the violent side of it, the the drilling and the stabbing and the slashing, and they start portraying that in community. 
that's when it's the issue. Mm. There was this poem that um, I, I read one time. It goes some, something along the lines of, you know, thoughts become words and word, words become actions. I was deep. And I was like, wow. You know? Um, but I think with, with, with this campaign, so it's, it's a Drop the Knife, Save a Life campaign. We're running. It's a it's a campaign run by Yay, but we're working with a lot of organisations, agencies, key partners in the community. It's community led, yeah. But the most important part is it's youth led. Mm. So we put together this youth network, amazing group of young people who come together from all walks of life. So you don't. The, the, mm. What what needs to be clear here mm. is that the team has nothing got to do with it. So even Hannah's where he thinks it should go, shouldn't, it shouldn't go. Mm. So it's actually totally at the direction of the youth network. So yeah. they sit and at the, yeah. whatever they put to, it's not even a co-design. It's youth voice. Yeah. Mm. It's and just we, we, totally led by young people. Just give them the, just give them the keys. Like yeah. they are SMEs, you know, subject matter experts, right? Mm. They know exactly, they're living through this, right? So you, you, you give them the platforms, the tools, the resources, the connections, networks, and you tell them, hey, you guys are passionate about this, so are we, yeah? We're going to be there behind the scenes as additional, you know, additional supports, but run with this because it's very important for us to allow them to create a campaign that young people can identify with. Mm. That's the piece there. I don't care about what government thinks. I would care less, yeah? It's, we've got kids dying on the streets, kids who are scared, vulnerable, kids who are petrified to leave their homes, Right? So if it doesn't resonate and identify with those kids, it's not working. I asked you this before, but I think for our listeners as well, one of the things I always think, you've mentioned knife crime, working with all mm. victims, perpetrators, and so forth. Mm-hmm. From I'm interested, from all the young people that you're speaking to who are leading this, yeah? How normal has it become for a young person to leave their house with a knife of some sort in their pocket, not because they think they're going to use it, mm. but because they think they're going to need it as a defense. And that might sound crazy. That's but, scary. but because when you, and I spoke to you both about this before, when you have a knife in your possession, mm. whether you use it or not, it plays a part. Like it's like there's no going back because if something happens in that moment in your life, whether at a train station, wherever it is, whatever, you have something Mm. that you could potentially fall back on. Yeah. So the intent is there because it's on you. You might say, I'm never going to use it. It's for my protection. But if your protection, if you have to use it for your protection, you're going to use it. Mm -hmm. Mm. How normal from what you're hearing from the young people and society and everything, um, how normal is that at the moment? How many people would be feeling they need to carry a knife or are carrying some kind of weapon? It, it depends where you go, to be honest. Yeah. You know, obviously there's, there's going to be some parts of Melbourne where, you know, they might not experience any of this. Yeah. yeah. It's completely normal, right? Um, without, without, you know, hyping the situation up, right? I, I think it's pretty normal. I think it's what we're seeing right now especially what the, the violence that's being played out in community is very much concerning to a lot of people. Um, but also, we've got to take into consideration is how that is being seen by everyone else. We have mm. social media now. Mm. We've got Snapchat. We've mm. got Instagram. You know, it's, you can be within the comfort of your own home and be exposed to serious, serious types of violence. Yeah? And it's, 
young people who see that they might not be involved in any type of crime, any type of antisocial behaviors, right? But it's happening in their neighborhoods. It's happening in their communities, in their schools, right? So that thought's going to come now, hey, what am I doing to protect myself? Yeah? Do I need to carry a knife? Mm. Do I need to align myself with a certain group, you know, with a, with a certain team of young people? Because if I'm by myself, alone, in community, I'm easy pickings. These are the words of young people, by the way. Mm. Yeah. Right? They're saying, hey, I do, I'm like, hey, yo, you, you, when did you start hanging out with these fellas? What's going on here? Because, brother, hey, listen, it's either I hang out with these fellas because it's my safety. Yeah, I gotta make sure I'm protected. I gotta make sure I'm safe, because I'm, I'm by myself walking the streets. Anytime, mm. anywhere, I can get rolled up on, and you know, so that fear is there. It's very much real mm. in, in community, right? Girls too. No one talks about it, right? There, there's a massive issue at the moment we're happening with girls, especially in the youth justice system, right? Same thing. Yeah, it's young people are scared and young people don't have a platform or an avenue to kind of speak to someone with it. School, their teachers don't understand them because they're a bit too far removed from what's happening on the streets, mm. right? Mm. We've already spoken about young people not trusting Victoria Police and some of those mainstream providers and organisations, right? Mum and dad are busy, single-parent single households, you know, mum's working night shifts, dad's working double time, etc. They're, they're barely home. Who do you talk to? Mm. Hey, I'm scared. I'm actually going through it. So if community can't protect me, if law enforcement can't protect me, or if I don't trust law enforcement, right, I gotta make sure I damn well protect myself. Mm. And that's what we're seeing now, right? And unfortunately, young people who are vulnerable, yeah, who carry knives just for their protection, are the ones who most of the time get hurt because they put their in, they're in compromising situations, right? You gotta be very ballsy to stab someone, to be honest. You know, uh, there, there was this guy on YouTube saying, when you shoot someone, you're very far away. You don't have to be so close to them. When you stab someone, so that's like face-to-face. -face. Yeah. Yeah? And if you, if you buckle or something happens, that's your life right there. And it's what young people are fighting for nowadays, which is absolutely, I, I think it's bullshit. I call it out. And I talk to all the young people, right? It's we're fighting for postcodes, area codes, locations. We don't own suburbs. suburbs. We don't own these suburbs. Yeah. We're, we're, yo, it's either we live in rental houses, housing commission, community housing. We don't own these suburbs. These are, we don't, it doesn't belong to us, right? So we're, we're, we're losing lives. We're shedding blood for postcodes, mm. for suburbs, just because you live on the other side of town. I don't know you. So why am I fighting with you, mm. you know? And then you've got other young people who get dragged into little disputes over social media for the pettiest of things. Pettiest of things, you know? It's you just commented or you, you, you liked a comment or you laughed at someone who, who made a joke about you. That's being played out on, on the school grounds now, yeah? There's a massive brawl, there's a stabbing, etc. you know? I always tell young people, I'm like, guys, your life, is way is worth way more than an iPhone. Mm. Let's be serious right now, yeah. yeah? Like yeah. your life is way, 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 way more valuable than a bloody iPhone, than a pair of shoes, yeah. And I, it's that pride thing too. It's like, hey, I'm not giving. I'm not gonna give up my phone. Mm. I'm not gonna give up my my wallet, my shoes. If someone has a knife to me, I'm stripping down butt naked. Yeah. <laughs> you you take that. I don't yeah. care. You yeah. take that phone. Because my, my life w is mean something to me, mm. you know? But it's that whole, oh, uh, my pride, my name, my face. 
I gotta be someone in these streets. Mm. Yeah? Because if you're not somebody, you're nobody. Yeah. Yeah? Because a lot a lot of these young people are chasing that fame, that status, that name, you know? And unfortunately, what comes with that is the back end, it's all fun and games when you're you're being that person, right? But when you get hurt or your family gets hurt, or when you're thrown into a lockup or youth justice, right? Then you start questioning your decisions. Then you start questioning your actions. I'm like, hey, where are all my friends? Where's mum? Where's dad? You know, during COVID, you, you guys, you guys know very well. These young people, you know, 23 hour lockdowns. Yeah. yeah. 23 hour lockdowns in 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 the cells because the resources, the staffing, etc. They they're going through it, mm. right? So it's my whole thing is around the whole early intervention prevention, right? It's we can stop this. Yeah, there's this perception now in community that you have to be a bad man, mm. you have to be a road man, you got to be a driller, you got to be someone serious. Nah, like a lot of us more toxic masculinity, mm. you know. So we we got to kind of go into that, but also around hey, you can be you, mm. you know, be proud of who you are. You don't have to conform to what these guys are doing. You don't have to kind of play by their rules. You know, you be you. Stand on your stand. Stand your ground. You know. For a lot of young people, that's very uncomfortable for them, you know, because we're living in a world where it's a digital world. Social media is all about fame, money, girls, clothes, mm. etc. If you don't fit in, you're a weirdo, right? Mm. That's bullshit. Mm. Yeah. yeah, he summed it up pretty well. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. Um, have you got a bit more time? Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, yeah. yeah. we'll wrap it up soon in a while. But like, I can, it's really good stuff. It's, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really fun. important what you're mm. speaking about. Um, mm. Yeah, that's like, right. <laughs> no, no, it's I, just I'm, this conversation is just so. Yeah, I was just thinking about it before, and just sitting here and just absorbing it all, and like being mindful about yeah. it, like right now. Um, and going, it's just it's it's really enjoyable to um, have conversations with, especially you guys. Like we're in the same mm. the same industry. Yes, <laughs> you know exactly, and. And it's just it's it's just really nice to be to, to hear you guys doing because you know when when you're working you got your head down and everything mm. like that you feel like oh you know I, f- I know I'll, I'll back what we do mm. and then just hearing the same thing with you guys and just saying like hey you conduct yourselves and how you're conducting yay you can see that it's like like that's a game plan that works do you know what I mean oh it it it, it has to work like yeah. to, to a degree where n- not being not being like arrogant or anything but just mm. being putting proper confidence behind your work mm. because I was told pretty young, if you don't believe in what you're doing, then how do you expect the next person exactly. to support it? So exactly. it's uh, you've got to speak with full confidence, with full conviction, and just let people know that this is how it is. Mm. But you can't also, you've got to also, you know, you got to always go through this thing that they call proof of concept, like, you know, because it's not in within the policy frameworks. Mm. You've always got to prove what you're doing. Right, is 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 the right way. Mm. It, it's a model that works. It's a model that, you know, we could see the impact, um, and what young people, and we can draw case studies that are pretty successful out of it. And you always come against this thing. Well, you know, it may have worked now, but what you think? How do you think this program would be supported over three years? Well, one thing what we know is that we never leave those young people and. Part of the justice piece, if I could just speak to, over the years has been, how do you break the cycle of disadvantage for a young person? 
but you yourself haven't gone through the justice system. Mm. So therefore comes up the wording, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't get it. Mm. Or, you, you haven't know, been in my shoes. Yeah. yeah. You've yeah. been a good guy. Yeah. yeah. You, know, you've, you, were, you, were, you weren't a bad man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You're, you get all these yeah. facts thrown at you. All right, hey, buddy. So uh, you try and put him in his place and then you kind of struggle and then you eventually do it. But a thing that I've found very helpful um, to aid the work that we do has been how do you get a young person that you've helped reform or break this cycle of disadvantage um, and a cycle of crime and come back to the organisation as a mentor, mm. right? Especially a person who's respected and used to send set the trends for 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 a number of things or or a group leader or the influencer. Yeah, the influencer. Mm. How do you get that one? Because they're the most trickiest and the quickest to do things. In either way, the wrong, or the good, and the bad. But if you're able to get them on your terms and and getting them to do some good stuff, it's just powerful. Yeah, I can I can tell you it it, it makes. It makes you do half the work you do. Yeah. <laughs> because there's a case in point, you know, uh, case in point is right here. Yeah. He's, he's reformed. You know him. I don't have to tell you who he is, you know. And young people start saying, well, well, don't make any excuses. I go, look at him. Mm. You know, today, now, what, what where are you going? Mm. Stop taking the substances. Stop mm. taking the things that make you Go and do things that are, you know, sometimes that are beyond your control because of the things you take. So that's what I found very powerful is that piece that when you get someone who's hardened criminal and changing them, mm. that they follow because that makes you do half the work. And it, it comes back yeah. to credibility too. Yeah, and I think that that's yeah, it gives you a track record yeah. too of mm. delivering. Yeah. And <laughs> mind you, like, don't get me wrong. I would never be in a situation and talk to young people and kind of like, you know, like, well, what's the word I'm trying to say? Like, use their experiences. I would say, hey, brother, I've never stepped foot, you know, in a in a, in, a, in a custodial setting or in a correction setting, you know, as a as a as a prisoner, etc. You know, I'll keep it I'll keep it one hundred with you. I'll tell you exactly what's going on. But I've been around people, whether it be family, friends, associate, etc. Yeah, I know what it's like on that side. Mm. You know. You can never fake it, and a lot of my a lot of my good friends right now they get, they get, they're starting in the space, youth workers, etc. And they say, "Yo, Hannah, how do you do it?" And what do you mean, bro? You bro, you walk in that group, it's just normal, you know. You just jump in there, have a conversation. Everyone daps you up. Everyone says what's up to you. I just, I just be me, be yourself. Yeah. Don't fake it. Be mm. yourself, because I think sometimes like you automatically tell yourself, "Hey, like I have to kind of like." Be a, a, a little bit more like them, mm. you know, to kind of fit in, and so they can give me that, you know, that yeah. tip of approval, you know. Nah, man, be yourself, be real, because they they can tell, oh, and they can tell so straight real. away. Yeah. They can straight tell away. straight away, because if you, if they sense that that little bit of oh, you know, you're not genuine, or this guy's put on a bit of an act, right? You've lost them. Yeah, yeah, and you've lost them for good. Yeah, yeah. But why? there's a place yeah. for both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's you're so right. Both is so like and and. I've experienced that over time as well. There's a place for both because also I've also seen in, in drug and alcohol work and other work that I've mm. been involved previously where the lived experience and the person trying to, you know, come back in and support the other person, they're yeah. not ready. Yeah. 
and then their experience is what they put on to that person. Mm. But they're different to that person. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. And then I always, I always have a lot of young people going, they, they would work with certain staff members mm. and so go, oh, you know, because they could relate and they say, oh, I've known you've been through something, you know, or whatever. Mm. And you wouldn't have told them or whatever, but they just sense, as you say, they know, oh, it, really, yeah, they know it really quickly. Yeah. yeah. If someone's got an age or someone's got that, they've sussed it. They might know what it is, but they've sussed it. Mm. And they go and go, oh, I don't want to talk to that person. They're just out of uni or just whatever. And I said, you know what? I said, that person over there, it's going to listen to you, mm. right? Yeah. Like that other person that's been through it won't listen to you because mm-hmm. that person that's gone through it will be reflecting on their exactly. thought process as you're speaking. Mm-hmm. And it's going to not, they might miss something that you're speaking about. Not all the time because you do need to live experience and they, that's where it can be brilliant. But that person there who might have just come through uni, they're not, they just want to listen to you mm-hmm. and they're going to give you options. Definitely. They're not going to tell you how to Different do perspectives something. Too, yeah. yeah, perspective. Yeah. And you're going to learn from you as you learn from them. Exactly. And the questions they're going to ask you is going to be different mm-hmm. that might make you think differently. So don't shut them down mm-hmm. or shut it up. Just be yeah. open to both. And it might not work for you and you might get more from the other person, but there's a place mm-hmm. for both at times. You know? And it's really interesting because, yeah, a lot of our guys, as you said, Amos, well, we've got people that now work in our social enterprise who are crew leaders. They started as a crew member, as a young person out of prison. Now they lead the jobs mm-hmm. and the young people underneath them. And exactly like you say, mm. the young people respect them and they can they can cut through it mm. yeah. really quick. But also, there's also a point there around like, I think environment's a big thing. Yeah. yeah. The space, we have to be very conscious about around the space we're creating for young people. And I think me, Ahmed, always talk about this. It's, it's we work with, as I mentioned, the, the, some of the kids, uh, boys and girls who walk through our, through our doors, they would never, ever step foot in, you know, any any of these other mainstream organisations mm. for their own reasons. Yeah, right. And it's whenever there's an opportunity where we take, you know, a group of young people to a consultation or to a forum or to a meeting. Yeah, it's you can sense that uncomfortableness. Yeah, not from the young people, from the other Correct. The externals. Yeah, yeah. Because let's be real now. Let's be serious, right? It's you want to engage. At risk and disadvantage and multicultural and we're throwing all these terms out there, right? I'm gonna bring you a group of young people, yeah. Engage them, and you see it. It's I'm panic. gonna tell them. It's you can see shock. You know? Oh my god! What do we do? Oh, can we? Uh, uh, hey, <laughs> stop! Yeah, this is this, this should be your bread and butter. Yeah, you know. But I think there, there, there's a big education piece there. Do you know what they forget? Mm. Yeah. They forget to talk. There you go. Yeah. Just go. Just be you. Just talk to them. There you go. It's a person in Have front of them. Conversation. It doesn't matter if it's a politician. It's, yeah. not a, it's a young person. Mm. Just talk. I know. <laughs> and they will talk back. It's there that simple. Yeah. yeah. Why? I, I, I've never understood that. I've been yeah. working work in the community space for a while now. Like, I've never understood that. Like, why is it so uncomfortable? Like yeah. these are kids, these are young people. Yeah, they might have a justice background. Yeah, they might have done some crime. So bloody what? They're kids. This is an opportunity for you right now to make an impact on this young person, yeah? Mm. To develop a relationship. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you ever get like, a question? We get, that, yeah, we get this question a lot as well. I'm glad they ask it. Yeah. Because it then shows you how much we have to do. Yeah. Yeah? Cause so you get employers or you get people that come into the prisons and they go, what should I say to the young people? Oh my God. How should I talk to them? Yeah. Say, like, how do you talk to me? And you go, yeah, but you go like that. There you yeah. go. know what I mean? And then I'm a special type of a human. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but it then, when a question is raised, not once, mm. that's raised a couple of times, yeah. you understand the gap. There you go. You there understand 
the mm. the perception mm-hmm. you understand that and then you kind of go they're young people they are going to love talking to you guess mm. why because they don't they're going to be respectful of you because you're giving your time up to go into a prison and talk to them there you go mm. the first thing they're going to give you is respect mm-hmm. and they're going to want to talk to you yeah, yeah. so just you know, chat to them as you normally would and then you see them doing it there you go and they come out yeah on cloud nine mm-hmm. like yeah. an adrenaline rush yeah, yeah. 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 because they just had this perception and it totally went the other way exactly wrong, yeah. you know we had this um, we, uh, we put together a survey for our night crime campaign Drop the Map Save Life um, so we wanted to get an understanding of the perspectives and the opinions of stakeholders yeah, professionals around what are your thoughts on the issue is knife crime an issue you know do you work with young people who are impacted by knife crime victims or perpetrators right and some of the numbers that rolled in mind, mind you big shout out to Gilbert and Tobin for helping us out with that the stats that rolled in so we had high numbers 90% of the stakeholders so oh we had 92 people 92 respondents for the survey so 92 professionals social services the health sector law police private philanthropy etc right 92% of people said knife crime is an issue a further 95 said knife crime has risen in the last five years, right? But this is one stat. Only 22% of survey respondents felt that they're equipped to support young people impacted by knife crime. Wow. Right. Only right 22%. This is social services, yeah. by the way. Yeah. We're talking youth workers, community yeah. development officers, mental health workers, etc. right? Only 22% of the 92 survey respondents felt that they're equipped to work with young people impacted by knife crime, youth violence, and any other trauma, right? Which goes to show that gap. Yep. Like, if we don't know how to engage with these young people, mm. if we don't know how to support them in their darkest hours, right? What does that say about us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it shows where where we should be putting funds in to educate Definitely. our staff. Like, as a youth worker myself, yeah. like I'm a big campaigner that mm-hmm. we've we've got to we've got to make the industry mm. recognisable. Definitely. And hear from people that are on the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I already, my mind is racing. Like you're talking about this knife crime. You're talking about this, you know, the young committee that are leading this, you know. Like they should be presenting, like I'm sure they are. Like mm. they should be presenting to all their staff. Mm. They should be presenting to all youth workers staff. They, like they should be, like they're the ones that you would be even delivering the facilitation and training mm. to staff about this. Yeah. Mm. The awareness piece yes. as well around it. Because we all know, like if I was to sit in, in a room and listen to People that have been through it know it, understand it, mm. talk to you about it, and raise your awareness on it. Mm. You're listening. You're hanging on every bloody word. Yeah. You're hanging on every single word because yeah. you know, and you know it's going to have a benefit for you as well. Mm-hmm. Before we finish today, I'd like to like round it up a little bit, like round it off a little bit. Where one one side, where is the what's the next stage for the knife crime? Um, the, the campaign, everything that you're doing on that. Yeah, what where does yeah. it where is it going to go next, and what do you see as as you know, the next stages of that. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll get back to the kind of last bit. It was about yay as well and what's the kind of work that you're working on now and anything new and uh, and so forth. Yeah, yeah so I'll, I'll touch on definitely. the future prospects of yeah. yay. Yeah, so we, with our knife crime at the moment, with our campaign, so we've got our community conversations coming up in May. So we, we've split the sessions up into two. So we're, we're, com- we're, going back in, we're going back out into community, you know, just to get some more information and feedback from whether it be stakeholders, parents, young people, cultural leaders, you know, religious leaders, etc. So we're running a number of sessions, about seven sessions at the moment, in about six, seven different LGAs around the northwest, um, led by our young people. 
the youth network supported by the eight team we're inviting all stakeholders uh, from any industry businesses parents young people teachers principals police officers come out there let's have a conversation you know let's let's really have an honest serious conversation around what's happening you know uh, around the issue of knife crime youth violence and how are we supporting our young people and i think from there uh, with the help of VU, we're going to put together a bit of a report, a little report around the, the findings of the community conversations, which will be followed by a campaign, which is developed by once again by our young people, which uh, which aims to educate and raise awareness. Right, but that's just that's just what EA is doing and what we're doing with uh, with community. But I think collectively, each organisation, community group, individual plays a part in this. You know, we all have a role to play around keeping young people safe. You know, and what does that look like for each organization? I encourage individuals to have a conversation. What are we doing about this? Yeah, like what are we doing internally to support young people? You know, do we have things in place? Should we be having more conversations? And it's a real grassroots. Yeah, come back to the ground. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I beg people, come back to the ground because sometimes you can get lost in the source, mm. right? <laughs> I think not a lot of people knows about Ahmed, right? Like I think Ahmed, you see Ahmed with, um, you know, the, the media presentations and talking to very senior members of government, etc. Ahmed's in the streets. Mm. Ahmed's on the ground doing the same thing I am, doing the same thing all these other youth workers are, right? Come back to the ground. Let's really connect. Let's collaborate. Let's work together because I think we owe it to ourselves. But most importantly, we owe it to these kids. Mm. Yeah, this next generation because no young person should feel, should every young person should, be, should, should feel safe in their community, should feel safe in their home. Every young person should feel, should feel safe in school, right? So if we have platforms and connections and resources where we can you know, enhance their safety and kind of empower these kids to kind of feel like they belong and they're safe and they're comfortable, let's do that because we see the other side of it, which is you know, the over-representation of African and Pacifica and Indigenous and Torres Strait Islander young people in the system, right? These, these jail cells are packed. Mm. Yeah, There's too many kids in there. They shouldn't be in there, right? Let's, we should always come back to the point, these are kids. Mm. Come back to that point, yeah? Whenever the media tells you something, whenever you're a police officer or some politicians embarking on about something, these are young people, yeah? And if you, if you start from that position there, you're doing okay. Mm. Perfectly said. Yeah, well said. And I love it. Yeah, so, well, I acknowledge you, mate. So like a fortunate to have you in the team. <laughs> uh, but look, um, yeah, for an organisation, um, we've got key priorities. So our priority is now that, you know, we're coming out of COVID, we've, we've been planning a lot, I guess, you know, and 2020, 2021 was a lot of stop-start. But one thing that's come very clear to, to, to me and the rest of the team, and this is through the programs team that we've been working with, is that the piece that education... You know, schools and and other schooling uh, educational institutions have to do with this. If why do a lot of young people don't feel like they can stay in school and feel like they can contribute and finish and feel empowered and motivated to do that, mm. just like every other kid? Why? What's stopping you? All right. So our focus is very much going to be on the educational piece where you're going to... So we find young people towards the end, you know, when they're at risk and mm. going towards, you know, being becoming in contact with the criminal justice system. 
it costs between 500,000 and 600,000 per annum to keep them locked up. On the front end, it would have costed mm. 40, 50, 60, 70,000 to support them. Mm. And that's just trying to keep them away from it, right? Why do we always have to deal with the issue when it's too late? Why can't we be proactive and get ahead of it, mm-hmm. you know? So that's the piece that we'll, we'll, we'll be wanting to look at and try working towards solving, right? Um, the other piece is employment, right? Too many people in our communities and we come across are not um, building their careers. You know, they're in industries, they're in everywhere, but they, a lot of young people complete degrees but can't get into the jobs mm. that they're qualified in, which is a bit of a problem and, mm. and is a growing one. So now our focus is we've got some fantastic uh, partners and industry friends that we have um, brought together and we're going to be placing people into 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 positions where where we've got you know the, you know a large number of industry friends who are coming together to actually solve this problem so it's quite funny after you you, you do a few things and, and raise a bit of the awareness around the business circles how many people would want to come out and help after COVID mm. um, and the third piece is the justice piece very important you know Ye's always been Ye's always been known for two things you know justice and employment um, but also we've we've been known for um, to do leadership, you know, empowerment, you know, community, um, you know, engagement and all that. But the two main pieces are employment and, and, and uh, youth justice and the educational piece is soon to come in. So mm. we've got our hands full um, to say uh, that we are going to be really busy, really looking to strengthen that level of engagement that yeah. we had pre-COVID. It's just been very disrupted. We're in a stop-start um, phase always because of COVID and then cases go too much and then people don't want to get it because they live with elderly people. It's it's pretty, you know, mm. it's not a, you know, we're not getting a smooth run at it mm. in terms of engagement. So we're slowly building it out and um, we are very, very much, uh, you know, looking towards a better future for young people mm. and finding What's what's now very important for me, and, and COVID personally has taught me, is how can we enable and empower the next generation of young leaders? Mm. Because by empowering them, you change a generation. There you empower go. Empower a whole young people, mm. uh, you know, y- 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 youngsters that are coming up, youngsters that have a lot of doubt in them. Mm. But when they see someone of their age group doing it, mm. trust me, there'll be a lot more people that do it. A, a lot greater things. Not only in the community space, we don't want to see them only in. Mm. We want to see them in every other space, whether it be in academia, sports, mm. um, you know, going into different areas, you know, in life and, and, and society and just being leaders. Mm. Yeah. Just go, go and share that. You know, peace. You know what's interesting? Um, we we get asked a lot around people who want to come and volunteer for yay. We're, we're, we're jam-packed. We have, we have so many volunteers, right? And sometimes we, say, we, we tell them, hey, guys, we're just here. We can't, you know, we have all our positions are, are taken up. But I always tell anyone who asks me, hey, you can volunteer in any way, shape, or form. So I say, what are you doing right now? 
are you working in the business sector, corporate, uh, academia, etc.? I'm like, who do you who do you talk to from the community? And you go, what do you mean? Like, who do you, who do you mentor? Oh, yeah, but I, my brothers, my nah, come on, that's that's your duty, right? You, yeah. gotta, yeah. you gotta do, yeah, you gotta do that regardless, right? It's find two young people, any two young people, yeah, that you're close with, who have similar interest in you, yeah, in with the work, whether it be professionalism, etc., right? And just make it a, a commitment in a year, yeah, in a twelve month period, right? Touch base with them, go out for a coffee. Do something with them, help them out. Yeah, that's also volunteering. You know, connect with them. Yeah, and I think sometimes we get too caught up in the community space. We got we got brothers and sisters working in the government space, in banking, and hey, there's kids right now doing their uni, first year uni. There's kids in school who need that. You know, like information, that sense mm-hmm. of direction. You know, spend some time with them. Buy him a coffee. Yeah. Buy him a feed. Have a chat. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go, right? Hello. Hello. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Before we leave you, actually, a quick question we ask of every uh, every one of our guests. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you mentioned a word, like, I think you said it beautifully. Um, and Adam, you're talking about they're only kids. Mm-hmm. We're working with kids. Um, we like to reflect back a little bit. So, Start with you, um, Hanad, and then we'll go to you, Ahmed. So when you were a kid, mm. what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, well, uh, this is an easy one. I wanted to be a paramedic. Okay. Yeah, I, I really wanted to be a paramedic. Um, I actually did a, I did a whole year at, at VU um, in paramedicine. Didn't, didn't manage to, to finish it. Just, I've always loved helping people. Mm. You know, yeah. uh, so I saw paramedicine. I was like, man, this is this is amazing. You know, you're on the front lines. You know, you're helping people in their in their toughest of times. You know, um, but yeah, I think it's yeah. I've always wanted to be a paramedic. Yeah. yeah. So well, now, now I just watch the shows. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were like, yeah, well, you are helping people, aren't you? You're yeah. helping not just the body but the mind now as well. So, there you go. Yeah. So you're doing that, and and you, Emmett? Um Growing up. Yeah. Always. When you were younger, like, what did you want to be when you grew up? Um, Politician? No, I'm joking. Yeah, you gotta be on your way. There you go. Because it's not so funny. Everyone would be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, honestly, yeah. I wanted to be an IT. Like, I wanted to be in the ID, IT sector and, and working with computers and stuff like that. I really enjoyed that. But a lot of people would say, oh, yeah, 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 no, that resonates with me, politician, right? Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're politician yeah. material, mate. You're but, fine. Uh, you're, yeah. but never, mate. Never, never get stuck into that, mate. I'll tell you that much. Right? <laughs> never say never, but. Um, I'd say there's a few people might think differently, mate. They, I'm sure there's people uh, talking to you behind the scenes. You go. Get a train. Yeah. <laughs> I've, uh, I've, I've told them that I'm very much committed to my day-to-day job uh, because it's rewarding and I do not want to get stuck in the uh, media sector. Yeah. Uh, sorry, in the, in, the, in the political circles. I'm writing that down now and then when we meet when, in the next little while, I'll be saying, there you go. remember you said yeah. that? Now yeah. look at you. Hey, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to the two of you. And uh, look, just to let you know, look, myself and Mark, when we when we started this podcast, we wanted to we want to look at solutions and the issues and the problems. We really wanted to focus on the solutions, and we really wanted to shine a light on people doing great work. Because I think in every like in every community and all that, there's a lot of negativity about what's going on. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you look at something like um, yeah, you look at what you both individually are doing, and but then both with your communities and, and, and yay what you're doing as well and it's so powerful and it's having a major impact and you're doing some amazing work and I know you're, you're only getting started in some ways to continue to do that amazing work so like thank you for doing that work mm. yeah because I'm sure like, you know do it for the, for the acknowledgements you can tell that 
but you're doing some absolutely inspiring and so worthy and such needed work mm. for your communities. You should be very proud of what you're doing um, and thank you for doing that, yeah? Thank you for sharing today and thank you for educating as well because we wanted to do an episode um, around, you know, the African community and all that, but we were very um, aware that we needed to have the right people on to be able to do this and to be able to give them a platform so we can learn from them, yeah, because we don't. We don't pretend that we know, you know? Um, so really what you've talked about today has been just incredible. So thanks again and uh, wish you nothing but the best of what you're doing. And I get a little bit of a sneaking suspicion we're going to be working a bit closer together anyway yeah, going yeah. forward because I can see some, some synergies and alignments yeah. and straight away we, we can, you know, we can start chatting about how we can, you know, impact together as well. So Thank you for having us on and no, we cheers. very much appreciate what YMCI does and especially the rebuilding project that you guys are doing and, and how impactful it is and um, to be honest I learnt it through the news yeah. uh, when I saw it uh, but yeah thank you and um, we very much appreciate it the chat it was fun it was engaging yeah. there you go and Hannah was the legend of the chat yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. it you, you, you put nah. yourself down and said I'm going to be speaking mate and you were straight up onto that mic that's what it always does by the way yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey nah, thanks thank, thank, you, thank you guys yeah, yeah. If anything in today's episode has raised any issues for you or someone you know, head over to our website for a full list of services that may help at ymcarebuild.org.au under the podcast tab. This podcast was produced by Mick Cronin and Mark Wilson. Editing done by Mark Wilson.